Amen. He is worthy, is he not? That is our calling. Worship, one of my favorite definitions of worship is giving God his breath back. Because he put his breath in our lungs, so we just cry out, great are you, Lord. Amen? That's why we gather today. Because God is incredible. Give it up for the band. Thank you guys so much for leading us today. And some of you may be wondering, if you've looked at the impact notes, why is Daniel preaching today? Well, I'm pinch preaching in honor of the World Series. Uh, Phil actually is sick. He's not doing well. He, um, he, he's going to be fine, it seems, of course, but he uh, wasn't able to preach today. So I got the call yesterday that I was going to be teaching this weekend and excited for what God has for us. But I also realized that I've been surrounded this week with really tough realities. So one of my students, our previous students, he's 24 now, married. He was walking with his wife at Sims Park. And while they were walking, he had a seizure. Turned blue. They thought he was going to die. And they rushed him to the hospital. Things weren't looking good. After about a day, he started to pull through and he's finally doing better, which is really cool. But at the same time, there's a student. Now, right as he starts doing better and I've been visiting him in the hospital, I get a call about a Sycamore student this week, Nathan Smith, who he went into a coma, had a brain aneurysm, and he didn't make it. And the reality of this life is it's not certain. And the reality is there's pain. And what I know about every one of you coming in today, we all have a different story. As I walk through the halls of the hospital, I know that every person had a different reality. And I was just thinking about what they're going through. And here's what I know about you sitting in the pews today. You have a different story. You have a different reality. You have a different struggle, burden that you bring in today. And so I just want to start our time together with just praying, saying, God, we need you. Um, we need you to meet us in the midst of these times of struggle. And we'll just pray for Phil. We'll pray for Alex. We'll pray for Nathan's family as well as they walk through this. And then we'll jump into our time together today. So, Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for being with us through the pain, loving us, letting us know that we're not alone and that we can trust you. And, Father, we... We don't really know what to do with these situations. They're really hard. First of all, God, we just lift up Phil to you. We pray that you would heal his body, that you would restore him to what you've called him to. We are so thankful that you've called him here. And the leadership that he gives and the incredible man that he is, God, would you comfort him today with your peace? Would you wash over him with your love and may your healing touch him? For Alex and his family, as they walk through this Road of recovery, God, would you give them patience as he gets back to who he is called to be? And Lord, as we hear about Nathan and his family, Lord, we just lift them up to you right now. We pray that your comfort would surround them. That your peace that surpasses all understanding would guard their hearts and their minds. And that you would surround them with your presence. Hold them, Father, as this is such a difficult time. I can't even imagine what they're feeling. Um, But Lord, would you use this? I know that you can bring good out of pain. And so we trust you. We submit to you. And Lord, thank you for this morning. And as we meet together, we bring in our pain and struggles. And so Lord, for each person, 
May you let them know and be aware of your presence that they're never alone to walk through this. We need you. We love you in your name. Amen. Amen. So we've been in a series called We Are. And we're journeying through First Peter. And we looked at that we are chosen by God, first of all. There's this amazing truth that God chooses us to be his people. And we are his people. And we are hope is what we looked at. Second, we, we realize that we have hope, but we are hope to the world as well. And then week three, we looked at we are holy, not because we're holy and do everything right, but because he's declared us holy because of what Christ has done on our behalf in our place. And then we looked at we are family as we had a really fun family fun day outside and had this great party to celebrate that we are adopted into the family of God and he uses us to call others to be a part of his family. Then we looked at we are distinct, we are examples, we are mature. So that's where we've been so far. And then I think it's pretty ironic. Today is called We Are Prepared. And I got the call yesterday that I'm doing this message. So that was pretty awesome. And so have you ever felt unprepared? Anybody ever had those moments? All right. So I'll never forget a couple of years ago, we were doing Extreme Weekend. Extreme Weekend is where I take guys rock climbing, caving and canoeing. And we have this incredible time together at Red River Gorge. And so the night before we were going to go, I get a call from my trip leader, who is the guy who's trained in wilderness survival, has all of the equipment and has led this trip with me several times. He says, Hey, I can't go. And I laughed and said, yeah, right. You can't go. That's funny. He's like, no, seriously, there's this crisis at work. I can't go. So I'm like, Oh no. This is not cool. Well, anyway, so I drive to his house, go get all the supplies and get the checklist of all the food that we need, everything we need. So that night I stay up late getting everything ready. Then the next morning I got to go get everything else, all the final supplies and get it all organized. And literally it comes to the moment that we're supposed to leave that I'm getting the last final supplies, drive up to the church and I got it all and I'm so excited. And so I meet the dads. And I, I tell the students to move everything from the truck over to the vans that we're driving. And so they pack the vans for us. Well, I'm talking to the dads, getting them ready for the weekend. And we are set and ready to go. I look at the students and say, did you get everything? And they're like, yep, got it. Okay, cool. Let's jump in the van and go. So we drive, we get down to the exit where we're supposed to pull off, which is a few hours away. If you've ever been to the gorge, it's amazing. Well, we pull off and all of a sudden it just starts to click. Man, I'm like, I haven't. I feel like we're missing something. Well, the one thing that was missing was the tents for a camping trip, okay? This is kind of a big deal. We have 25 guys and we have no tents. And so I'm like, this is not good. What in the world are we going to do? So we buy two 10-man tents and have a sweaty man weekend because that's kind of what you had to do at that point. But we were unprepared. None of us like to be unprepared, do we? We like to have our ducks in a row, like to be in control, know what's coming and be fully in charge of what is coming next. And well, life doesn't always go that way. And you see something that we need to be prepared for as I look back to their stories, as I look back to Phil, as I look back to Alex, as I look at Nathan, as I look at the reality of life that I'm surrounded with, we need to be people that are prepared for pain. Because it's not a question of if, it's really a question of when. You know, our bodies are made to break down. You know, one day it's not going to quite function and work the way it's supposed to. 
Do you know that this world is filled with a mixture of pain and struggle because this place is not our home? Well, there's three core sources of the pain that we experience. Well, actually, there's one source, but it shows itself in different ways. And the initial source of all the pain in the world is the fall. You see, God created everything in perfection. Everything was amazing, and we got to experience God. We had perfect relationships. There was no death, disease, or sickness. But then man looked at God and said, I want to do what I want to do. They wanted to call the shots and entered into the world sin, which broke everything. And what we don't know is that today we're still falling and we're still reeling from the fall. And there's many things that we can't explain away except for the fact that our world is broken. Sin has marred the image that God placed on his creation. And what has continued to happen is there's things like birth defects and cancer and sickness and earthquakes and famines. And these things we can't really blame on any person. We just know they happen because we live in a broken world. So we should be prepared for those things because we know that this is not our home. But the other source is the pain that others cause us. Now, I had a brother that was four years older than me. So I had a lot of pain that was inflicted by my brother. I was the punching bag for a lot of my life. And his friends just had fun hitting on my sternum and laughing as they pushed me off the court. We were playing basketball and all that great stuff. That was always good times. So I had pain that others caused. And so there's pain that you may be experiencing even right now. People may be spreading a rumor about you. Maybe you're being bullied. Maybe you got let go for an unfair reason. Um, Maybe there's friendships around you that... People used to be your friends, but now they're kind of your enemies and you really don't know what to do with that. But there's pain that other people are causing you. Maybe you grew up in a family where parents did things to you that weren't good and they caused pain on you. Or maybe they got a divorce and that caused pain for you. Maybe there's struggle in your life because of the reality of what you grew up with that you could specifically say, actually, that's your fault. But then there's pain from the fall. There's pain from others. But then there's pain that we cause ourselves. And I think a lot of the pain that we have in life really is self-inflicted. Many times I hear people saying, I just, I just don't understand. Drama seems to follow me everywhere that I go and all the relationships that I'm in at work and, and at home. And, and I'm just like, well, what's the common denominator? To you. <laughs> because a lot of times we cause our own pain by being lazy by lying to people, by gossiping, by causing problems. And we wonder why we're surrounded with pain. And we just do dumb things sometimes, right? Like for me, I don't landscape that often, but I do it when I have to. And so if you've ever used a pickaxe, I uh, had to, to pull out some bushes. And so there's this bush that was right next to our house. And so I was trying to get it and I was going to town at it. And you know, there's two sides to a pickaxe, right? There's kind of the kind of sharper bladish side and then the like point on the other side. Well, so I'm getting really close and I'm getting on these last roots But it's really close to the bricks. So I kind of get around and I try to get really close. And I'm hitting, hitting, and then I go, well, there's a problem. The the pointy part met my forehead, all right? Because I went, boom, oh, wow, yeah. And so as, you know, blood comes and all that stuff, I go, I'm dumb. (laughs) I can't blame anybody else except for my own stupidity for that moment. And so I know that there's pain that comes from the fall. 
There's pain that other people cause, but then there's pain that we cause ourselves. And, and, and so Peter is speaking to and writing to a people that are going through pain. This is not a people that all is well. He's writing to people that are going through a lot of pain. And so what we find in verse 13, we're going to pick up 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 through 15. And really quick, if you're looking at impact notes, sorry, just flip those over. Or <laughs> Phil had a lot of great stories that were his stories, and he was going a specific direction with it. He just got a blank sheet. So just go with that, and we're going to fill that in instead. So it says, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? And so what Peter's challenging on, first of all, is he's saying, hey, if you give love to other people, most of the time they're going to reciprocate with love back to you. And so people aren't normally going to be harming you if you do good. So just keep doing good and you can actually help yourself not have a lot of the issues that you could have. So he's asking that question first. But then he goes a little deep. He says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. So he's saying, if you're suffering for being a Christian then you are actually blessed. Scripture talks about this concept of eternal rewards that we can gain. In Luke chapter 6, it actually says, Blessed are you when men hate you and insult you and revile you as evil on behalf of me. Great is your reward in heaven. So he's saying that even if you go through tough experiences in this life, you can hold on to the fact that God sees it, knows it, and he will reward you in the end. So we can know that our God is in charge and he's in control. But we've got to be people, and these were people that had to be prepared for persecution. Now, persecution is something that we think, well, that used to happen. Do you know that right now in our world today, there is more persecution in the world than potentially in history? Currently in North Korea, there are 50 to 70,000 people, we don't know, in prison camps because they're Christians. In, in the world today, we are seeing incredible pain and persecution going on. We had secret church last weekend, and we had some people come and speak about their experience growing up as Christians in, in countries that it's not allowed. And so we had one guy from Laos. He talked about the fact that he spent three years in a refugee camp because he was a Christian, he and his family. Then we had another guy from Indonesia talking about their friends that they had made, even though they were Muslim. Um, they, they made friends with them, and their friends created a human barricade in the road to keep the Muslim army from coming to kill him and his family. And then another guy was from India sharing his story. And he talked about how their family was excommunicated from their community and everywhere around because they became Christians. And they were basically kicked out of their culture. And we look around and this is not happening back in the day when people weren't as civil. This is happening right now in the world that we live in. And here's what I believe is going to happen in America. I believe we are becoming less and less biblical and godly as a culture. Would you agree? Well, I think we're going to have people that continue to stand for Christ in the midst of a godless culture. And the further that divide gets, what do you think is going to happen? Persecution. People are going to begin to say, why don't you agree with us? Why do you do things differently? Why don't you value the things that we value? And they're going to come against 
Christians in America. I don't think it's also a question of if, but when. So I ask you today, are you prepared to stand for Jesus, even if it costs you your job and your home or even your family? Because that is a question that we must all wrestle with now so we're prepared for if it ever comes our way. But see, Peter, what he writes there, he puts it in quotations because he's actually quoting the Old Testament. And when he says, do not fear their threats, do not be frightened. If you look back in Isaiah 8, verses 12 and 13, it says, do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. Scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. And so he, Isaiah is prophesying to the Israelites as the Assyrians are about to attack. And he's like, hey, don't be afraid of them because guess what? There's somebody else even greater than them that you should actually be afraid of. Jesus is described as the Lion of Judah and the Lamb who was slain. Do you know that he is the one that controls if you have oxygen in your lungs right now? He is the one that determines if any of us have a brain aneurysm or not. He can, he can do whatever he wants in the midst of a world that's broken. And if he wants to take us out, he can. So if you want to fear somebody, fear him. I want to let the fear of God drive out my fear of man. Because people and their opinion of me is what so often we wrestle with and struggle with. And we're afraid of our reputation or what people think of us. Or am I building my brand? Am I going to be able to advance? Instead, we need to simply say, God, are you honored in my life? I want to be prepared for the day that I meet Jesus. Do you know that's a reality that's coming one day? One day you will stand before God and you have to give an account for the life that you've lived. I want to be prepared for that day even more than I'm prepared for a sermon. I want to be prepared to meet Jesus and give an account of my life and say, yes, I honored you with the life that I lived. Because that is a day that I want every one of you to be prepared for. He is the one that we should fear. And that should drive out all other fear. Knowing that he's in charge and he's my daddy who loves me. And so Peter continues in verse 15, he says, but in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Now, this is a command and it's a challenge to the people because they would naturally revere Caesar as Lord. Because if you didn't do what Caesar said, you ended up dead. That's kind of the way it worked back in that day. And so you had to revere Caesar as Lord. But what Peter is saying is there's an even greater authority than the one who thinks he's in authority. And what I want you to do is revere him as Lord first. Don't revere Caesar as Lord, revere Christ as Lord. And I don't think he's just talking about being here on Sundays. He's saying Jesus should be Lord of every area of your life. You know, I'm going to answer to God one day for the way I treated my wife. He should be Lord of my marriage. I have to answer to God for the way that I served and loved and honored her. I've got to give an account one day to God for the way that I love my family, the way we prioritized our time and the way that I would guide them to know him or follow him. I got to give an account one day for the way that I did my job, for the way that I worked. And if I was honorable in my business practices. 
I got to give an account for what I entertain myself with. You know, he needs to be Lord of what we watch and what we listen to as well. Often we think there's like this God thing that we do on Sundays and then we entertain ourselves with whatever we want throughout the week. Forbid it. He is Lord. He is Lord of all. And so many Christians that I interact with, they're, they're laughing about these movies and songs and things that are just horrendous. And I'm going, is Jesus Lord? Or are you just choosing to do whatever you want with your life? We're called to a different standard. We're called to be people that follow. We are the people of God. And so I'm so grateful at the same time they're making movies like Woodlawn. I don't know if you've seen it yet. It's an incredible Christian movie that just came out that is off the charts. It's awesome. And so they're starting to make really good ones. We as Christians should be people that are helping fund and support and encourage those types of things. He should be Lord of what we entertain ourselves with. And then I think, you know, this week is he should be Lord of how we vote. And in all that we say, all that we do, we should revere Christ as Lord because he's preparing us for a purpose. Do you know that he has you here still for a reason? The only reason you're still here is to make much of Jesus. If it was just about your personal private relationship with God, and it was just between the two of you and knowing him, whenever they baptized you, they should have just held you under a little longer. Because you could have been straight with him, you could have been good with God, and life is good. But instead, he's going, I want to prepare you for a purpose I created you. I have you on this earth for my plans. I created you as a masterpiece. I specifically designed you and crafted you with an intention in mind. I'm preparing you for a purpose. Step into that. Um, Step into the role that I made you for and let him be Lord of every area of your life. And you see, he's doing this as a challenge because it's not natural. Actually, John Calvin said it this way. The human heart is a factory of idols. Do you know that we naturally look for other things to worship other than God? Especially if there's things that serve us or advance our kingdom. And we we get so consumed with what do I get out of situations and God, what's in it for me? But the challenge here is to revere Christ as Lord because we've got to do inventory with our hearts and continue to set him up as king of our lives, that he's the one calling the shots, not ourselves. And when we do this, we will look different than the world. That's why it continues to say, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And so when we live differently, we will get asked questions. They're going to say, well, why, why do you seem to have such peace with all this bad stuff that's going on for you? Why do you have hope? Things are really tough right now. Why do you talk to the custodian? They're like beneath you. You're above them. Why do you love people so much? Why do you ask off on Sundays? Why are you always prioritizing your family over hanging out with everybody else? Why do you seem so happy all the time? These questions are going to come because they're going, you look different than the world. Now, I've been looking for an opportunity to share my faith ever since high school. I loved I've loved to learn and to continue to share my faith with people. And this says to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. 
Here's the weird part. Whenever I get into these conversations, often people sometimes get frustrated or they turn it into or want to turn it into an argument or a debate or something like that. And all of a sudden I get questions that at first I wasn't prepared for, but now I've learned how to intersect with these questions and still create a great conversation. So such as people are like, why do you still believe God created the world? We don't need fairy tales anymore. We have science. And so to that type of thing, I would say, well, what do you think began everything? Like, no, no, no. Like actually began, began everything. And they'd go, well, I don't know. But processes show us, I mean, some people believe big bang. And so I say, well, what started the big bang? I don't know. I say, you know, logic leads us to an uncreated creator. Actually, the only thing that makes sense is there's someone that always existed that intelligently began creation. Wouldn't you agree? And I get to use that little conversation to guide in. Or then people come angry sometimes. Or they're like, well, why do you hate gays? I'm like, I don't understand how that links. I, I love Jesus. Why do you think I hate gays? Well, um, so I enter, that, enter into that conversation and say, actually, I love all people. Everybody has their own struggle. But I usually say, is it possible to disagree with somebody and still love them? I say, my son likes to eat candy for dinner every night. I disagree with him. But I still love him. And, and so we can enter in and, and kind of diffuse the heated situation. Because sometimes I've even had people say, why do you think you're right and everybody else is wrong? Why do you think everybody else is going to hell? Okay, whoa, that's got, got a little intense. So in those moments, I've learned to say, well, what do you think it takes to get to heaven? What's your opinion? We'll enter into the discussion. And then I'll say, well, do you think God, if he's loving would make it really confusing with a lot of religions to get to him? Or do you think he would make it very simple and clear with one way? And I get to point him to Jesus. And then one other one, if God is good and all powerful, why does he let bad things happen? And normally that's tied to a tough struggle in their life. And they're going, I don't understand why this good God would let bad things happen. And I just get to say, have you ever seen good come from something bad? Is there, and really, is it all God's fault? Like, is there enough food on the earth or is there just a bad distribution of food that causes starvation? Really, I think it's people's fault a lot of times. And if he took one that I've used sometimes whenever it got funny, but if he took all the bad out of the world, do you think you'd still be here? And, you know, and so the reality is we all have our own issues. And like, I'm like, I'm glad God doesn't take all the bad out of the world because I'd be done. But, and this is the key, verse 15, it continues, it says, but do this. With gentleness and respect. See, this is so important as we enter into these conversations. Because the right answer with the wrong tone is still the wrong message. And if we're people, or, you know, like when somebody's like, all right, I'm sorry. You're like, whatever, I don't believe you. Or if we're people that are entering into arguments, no, I've never heard of anybody being in this heated argument saying, fine, I'll receive Jesus right now. They, they don't do that. Instead... You see, people, arguments produce winners and losers. Conversations create relationships. We need to be people that ask questions, that love people, that have gentleness and respect. We enter into the conversation saying, hey, tell me more of your perspective, what you believe. And then guiding them with questions and a conversation to know the love of God. You see, I want people to disagree with my beliefs, but be drawn to my love. And that's my prayer for us as a church. That, that people may enter in here just because they're going, man, you guys are so stinking loving. 
I just want to be a part of this community. I don't even agree with everything yet, but I'm just coming to see what changes you people so much. That's my prayer for our church, that we would be such a community, that we are magnetic, that people want to be a part of it. That there's no judgment or condemnation here. We just simply enter into a conversation and guide people to Jesus, knowing that we need him and that they need him. But we need to be prepared for the purpose that he's called us. And so it continues to say, by keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. You see, people, they want to speak against you often if they're trying to, like, prove you wrong. And I want to make it hard for them. I want to make it hard for them to come up with something to say, well, I saw you do this, and you're a hypocrite, and I, I just want to say, hey, here, here's my life. You can read my text messages. You can look at my history. This is who I am. When we set up Christ as Lord of every area of our life, you know the beauty? There's no hiding anymore. I don't have to worry about anybody figuring out something about me. Because here, is, here I am. Here's all of me. Jesus is Lord of my life. I don't have anything to hide. That's how I want to live. I want to live one life all the time with Christ as King, calling the shots so that people, when they try to find something negative in me, the only thing they can find is Jesus. And that's the only thing they can push against. They're not pushing against Daniel. They're pushing against the teachings of Christ. And so Jesus calls us to live the one life and, and, and we come from a long line of this, right? People, I mean, Joseph, he was accused of doing things he didn't do because they were looking for some way to accuse him. Daniel, same thing, was accused of things or tried to be built a case against, even though he wasn't doing anything wrong. Jesus stood in our place and took our sin instead of us having to bear the load and bear the cost. And it goes on to say, for it is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. In other words, if you do dumb things, you get dumb consequences because it's your own dumb fault. All right? So that's the first part. Uh, if you suffer for doing evil, there you go. But if you suffer for doing good, blessed are you. For God sees you. And he is the one who will right every wrong. And he will reward every good in the end of time. And we can hold on to Jesus, even though we're going through pain or persecution, knowing that he holds my life in his hand. And it continues with the last verse. Say, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. See, Jesus knows what pain and persecution feels like. He's been through it. He, the righteous, died for the unrighteous. And you and I, often the pain that we go through and the way that we walk through the pain that we experience, if we're prepared, we get to be people that respond with love, respond with hope, respond with the joy of Christ in the midst of pain. And there is no greater beacon to a world of his light than when we walk through dark times and still hold on to the light of Christ. That's the people I want us to be. I want us to be prepared for pain. Prepared for persecution. Prepared for the purpose that he's called us to. But even more today, I am so burdened with the urgency of the gospel. I want every one of you, because we're not guaranteed tomorrow to be prepared for eternity. The truth is, we don't know if today is going to be our day or what's going to happen. And so I want to ask you, do you know for sure, without a doubt, that you would spend eternity with God from this point forward? Are you sure that if you walked out of this life, you would walk into the arms of God?
It's such an important question. I don't want to be 85% sure on this one. I want to know that I know that I know without a doubt that he is king and that he will accept me into his kingdom whenever I stand before him one day. And I believe, you know, if it was a moment like this, that he would stand there and say, Daniel, why should I let you into heaven? I'll tell you what I won't do. I won't begin to go through my list of, well, I did good things. I was a pastor. I loved my family. I was really nice. I wouldn't begin to go through my list. Instead, all I could do when I stand before him is I would point at Jesus. Say, you should let me in because of what he did. And I received his gift of eternal life. I received him as my savior and I received him as my Lord. And I let him be the king of every area of my life. So if you want to be sure today about what happens on the other side, it's not about good deeds or what you can do. It's about what's already been done for you. And today you can receive that gift by receiving Jesus as your Savior, receiving Him as your Lord. And so if that's you today, I want to guide you through a prayer that you can begin that relationship today. And so if you want to, you can join me now and just say, Lord Jesus... I thank you for dying on the cross in my place for my sins. I open the door of my life and I receive you as my Lord. I want you to be the one in charge of my life. Make me who you want me to be. I trust you and I submit to you and your leadership from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen. And if that's you, man, we want to celebrate with you. Please tell somebody today, if, that, if you began a relationship with God today. For others of us in here, I think God's challenging you to make Him Lord of every area of your life. I want you to take some time as we sing this to just do some inventory on your life. And, and be able to say, Jesus, you're Lord of all. You're Lord of me at work. You're Lord of me at home. You're Lord of me at recreation. God, you're Lord of every part of my life. Because I don't want to stand before you one day. and Because uh, I can't fake you. I can't hide from you. You see it all. So right now, God, I, I come back to you as king. And I pray that you would prepare me and you would help me to see the purpose that we, you created me for. I trust you, Jesus. I lay my life down today. I want to build my life on you. I'm sorry for the times that I make much of me and less of you. God, I want to give everything I have for your kingdom and your fame and your name. Love you, Jesus. In your name. Amen. So we're going to sing, and as you're ready, if, if you want to, the prayer partners are going to be down front, and then we're going to close in just a minute. But if you want somebody to pray with, come on and let somebody pray over you or pray with somebody next to you. I don't care. But let's let Jesus be Lord of every area of our life because he's going to write an amazing story when we give up the pen and let him write it big declaration that you're making at the end of that song. You're saying, He is Lord of all. My prayer is you're not just saying Lord of like creation, but you're saying, God, I want you to be Lord of all of me. All of my life. You call the shots. I will follow you. It's my prayer for your life. 
just amazing the journey that he calls us on. We get to be a part of his family because we are the people of God. And we are prepared for pain because we know the hope that he's called us to. We're prepared for persecution because we know that he's with us through that. He will reward us at the end. We are prepared for the purpose that he's called us to because your whole life exists for one purpose. And that's to glorify God. To make much of him. To make so much of him that everybody goes, wow, who is the God that you serve? Because they want some of what you got. May we be the people that when they come and say, I want to become a Christian too, we don't go, I will call a pastor or go to church. But we're prepared to lead people to what it means to know Jesus and follow him for a lifetime. I'm actually really excited in the spring. We're going to do a series to get everybody ready so that you know exactly how to share the gospel and guide people to know Jesus. But even now, you can begin to look at... um, The story is what we use. It's a really incredible app and opportunity to help people know Jesus. God wants to use you exactly where you are. For the people that he's put around you, he has a purpose for your life. Follow in that purpose. Be the blessing that he has given to you to be through you to others. And may you be prepared for all that he has in store for you this week as you walk with him. Blessings. Have an incredible week. Thank you for being here.